Amen, amen. Hey, grab a seat. And as you grab a seat, grab a Bible. Turn with me to Philippians chapter three. If you need a Bible under a seat nearby, you'll find a black Bible under one of those chairs. Turn to, I think it's page 981, uh, 981 in that Bible underneath the chairs and uh, get in God's word with us uh, this morning. Uh, hey, as, as we jump into this, let me tell you, um, I, I am a, I'm no expert on running, okay? I, running's a necessary evil in my life. I don't enjoy it very much. Um, I was, I was, I'm not fast, have never been fast, and I've always envied those who are fast. My track and field career lasted about um, a total of two hours in seventh grade when I was left in the dust in a sprint in front of all the junior high girls. And I said, I think I'll make my way back to a wrestling mat. And so um, I'm no expert on running, um, but uh, I wanna, I, we need to start with some running type of lingo because where Paul goes in this passage today, is uh, it's got some running lingo in it. Um, two things I do know about running. If you're running in a race, a couple of things that I do know. Um, one is uh, where you fix your eyes, where you're looking. Um, when you're running, especially in a race, your eyes are out ahead, fixed on the finish line. Your eyes are not looking at your feet. If you're running, looking at your feet, uh, it's not great. Uh, your eyes also aren't looking behind you. And so um, when you're running, uh, first principle in a race, keep your eyes ahead, fixed on the finish line, um, not looking over your shoulder, not looking down at your feet. Another thing I know about running a race is uh, you run you run through the finish line. Uh, you don't pull up short of the finish line. Uh, something this University of Oregon runner learned the hard way. Uh, let's take a look. He's coming down the home stretch. Uh, he's getting the crowd fired up and he just lost. Watch, you'll see it on the Jumbotron here, this guy coming up. Uh, oh no, oh no. And, and and lost, and misery. I always, always run, always run what? Through the finish line. Don't pull up short. Uh, really important for us today because where Paul goes on this passage is running, running lingo. And running would have been something very familiar to the Philippians. Remember, this is pre-Snapchat. This is pre-social media. This is pre, we head down to the Regal Theater and catch a movie. Um, if you wanted some entertainment in this day, you might go listen to a great speaker speak. Uh, you might go uh, watch a play at a theater. Uh, you might go watch an athletic event of some guys racing. And so running lingo would have been a very uh, common, uh, common expressions as Paul is writing here to the Philippians. Um, and he says some really important things. As he talks about this race that we're running, um, he's got some important things to tell us today. Keep your eyes fixed on the finish line of glory. Uh, some of us in here today, um, in a good way, like maybe the season, like life's just good right now. Praise the Lord for that, right? Like we can walk into church and be like, life's good. Um, but sometimes maybe we're insulated just with all of our focus completely on um, what's going on circumstantially in our life right now. And um, the Lord today is gonna ask us to lift our eyes a bit, get us on the finish line of glory because there's something about our eyes fixed on the finish line of the goal of where we're heading that helps us live for him in the present of where we are today. Um, others of us need a completely different word coming out of this passage today. Um, Paul's gonna say something like this. Um, um, uh, lay, forgetting what lies behind. Leaving in the past some things of the past. 
You know, and I often sit down across the desk from someone and the demon haunting them is something from last month, last year, last decade that they've just not been able to let the Lord lead their heart to leave it in the past. And so there's some things that Paul's gonna go after today about our walk with the Lord in the present that has everything to do with how we're doing with getting our eyes fixed on the finish line out ahead and how we're doing with not looking over our shoulder at some junk we got in the past. And so um, if you would just pray with me right now before we jump in the word and... Um, uh, if you're new here, just eyes, eyes closed, head bowed right now, just getting ready to pray. If you're new here, we're gonna pray a little differently than we do on a typical Sunday. Um, I'm just gonna ask you to pray personally to ask the Lord to prepare your heart. Now, when we do this in first service, we did this, it got really quiet in here. And even me, I'm like, wow, this is uncomfortable. We're not used to quiet anymore. Every story we walk into has music playing in the background, all of this. I would just invite you right now um, let me lead us through a time of personal prayer that's gonna bring some quiet and hopefully prepare our heart. But would you just begin by praying and asking God to allow you to set aside anything that might be consuming your mind as you walk in here today that would prevent you from hearing what God has to say through his word. Lord, we're about to let your word speak to our heart. God, I wanna pray specifically for um, those in here today, Lord, who, who need the reminder of lifting their eyes to the finish line of glory in a healthy way that helps us walk near with you today. Lord, I wanna pray for specifically for the person, Lord, who's got such um, a milestone in their past, that just looms over them like a dark cloud. Uh, God, I, I beg you that today would be the day they are let free of that. Whether that means that they come to know you personally as, as their Lord and Savior, whether that means they apply the gospel to that situation and cast it in the past the way you have cast it in the past. Um, Lord, just come now. Um, let your word do what your word has the power to do. And God, please do not let me get in the way of this. It's a mystery to me that your perfect word, you ask your perfect word to be declared by imperfect men. And so would the imperfect man not get in the way of the perfect word that you've given us? In Jesus' name, amen. Um, we're about, I think, what, 10, 11 weeks into a study in the book of Philippians. And if you're new to the Bible, you have to understand this. This was a letter. This was a letter written to, uh, uh, written to a church in the city called Philippi by this guy named the Apostle Paul. Um, um, Paul hated Jesus. He hated anything to do with Jesus. He hated any people of Jesus. He's walking down the road to a city one day and Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, 
intercepts his path. And you're like, that's a little crazy to me, the whole like Jesus rising from the dead thing. That's where you kind of lose me. Um, What other explanation historically is there for a guy who was murdering Christians and overnight becomes the greatest missionary of Christianity other than he saw the resurrected Jesus? He's writing a letter back to this church he's established in Philippi. Now, when we take, we're taking something like 15 weeks to walk through the letter to the Philippians. The positive of that is we get to go very slowly and like unpack in little chunks, every like try to mine the depths of everything that Paul is saying. Um, Maybe if there's a negative to that, here it is. It was a letter. Uh, When we go to the mailbox and we pull out a letter, we don't bring it inside, set it on our dining room table and in 15 sittings every Sunday morning, read that letter. I hope that's not how we read a letter, right? You open it up and you read the letter. And so there's some things because this was a letter that when we chop it up, we can lose some of the flow. So we're gonna teach through verses 12 through 16 of Philippians chapter three. But in order to hear the flow, I have to start at verse one, uh, Philippians three, verse one, and I need to read this all together. So a little bit longer reading portion than we're used to, but um, get get it in your head, get it in your heart right now. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Anyone ready for that? Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. As we get to 12 through 16, there are three, okay, I got three big church words coming your way right now, okay? 
But it's really important that we understand a couple doctrinal concepts so we don't get confused at what Paul is saying when in these uh, like five verses we're gonna study. So three big church words. And if you're new to church, don't worry. I'm gonna uh, define these with short, simple definitions. Uh, first word is this, justification. Justification is simply this, church lingo for this, to be declared righteous or right before God. So justification is to be right with God, to be declared righteous before God. We're gonna talk about in this message how, we're all, how we all get right with God. Um, next word, sanctification. Sanctification is this, the ongoing process of being made more like Christ. Sanctification is just this ongoing day-to-day, moment-by-moment process of I am growing to look more like Jesus until this third big theological term, glorification. Can't wait. To be perfected in the presence of Christ. We get that, right? that the gospel message doesn't just end in that like we're, we're saved and we'll, have, we'll carry this like sin hangover with us all through, all through our walk with Jesus on this earth. But one day we will go be with the one that our hearts love the most and will be perfected by him in his presence. Great place for an amen. If we mix up any sort of these three terms in the study of these five verses today, we're gonna get really confused and have really bad doctrine. If we think Paul's talking about justification when he's talking about glorification, we're gonna get really confused and have really bad doctrine. If we think he's talking about glorification when he's talking about, no, 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 I'm I'm not perfect yet, I'm just saved. We think he's talking glorification when he's talking justification, we're gonna get really confused and have really bad doctrine. And the use of all these big words right now is confusing a lot of us, isn't it? So let's walk it through one by one. Start with me in verse 12. He says, not that I have already obtained this. What's he talking about? We'll come to that in a moment. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Here's where we have to start with how he ends verse 12. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. First point, write this down. Christ has made me his own. I hope you see that right in the text, do you? What in the world, why do we have to start with this understanding right here? When Paul at the end of verse 12 goes, Christ has made me his own. Um, um, What of the three, maybe a little quiz here for us. What of those three theological terms that I just talked about, sanctification, justification, glorification. What might Paul be getting at here in this one? Justification, very good. Paul is talking about everything he wrote in the paragraph we studied last week before. Remember what he did? He said, watch out for the people who are gonna show up in your town and they're gonna bring a message of, you gotta be really good people to get right with God. Watch out for the the Judaizers and he calls them dogs. They're gonna come and they're gonna say, oh, you think Jesus is enough? Bro, you gotta follow the Jewish dietary laws. Lord, uh, brother, you, you, you gotta be following the law perfectly. And Paul's like, listen, watch out for the people who are gonna bring a resume Christianity to you. 
It's what you have on your resume of good works that's gonna get you right with God. And then he goes, you wanna talk resume? Let's talk resume. I'm the poster child of resume. And he gets down and he's like, as to the law, blameless, mic drop. And then he ends that paragraph so beautifully. Back up in verse seven. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and I count them as trash in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through what? Through what? Through what? Through faith in Christ. Hear me now. Look at me now. Right now, you're like, why in the world? How in the world am I sitting in a church right now? What am I even doing here? How did I get here? I'm not like these crazy church people. You may be here because God wants you to hear this morning how you get right with him. He longs to be right with you. How you get right with him is through what Paul just said here. We think, and our culture tells us, if you believe in a God, our culture tells us how you get right with that God is you do right things. And that God, this is what culture says, that God's got a balance scale in heaven and he's putting little pebbles. Oh, Brock did a bad thing today. One on the bad side, but Brock did two good things the next day. That is how our culture says we get right with God. That one day we'll pass away from this earth and we'll stand before him and God will look at our balance scale and go, ah, I think, yeah, let's let him in. It seems pretty good. That is not the message that God has brought to the earth through his son, Jesus Christ. There is no righteousness means getting right with God by our own strength. It is a getting right with God that comes only through faith in Jesus Christ. What in the world does faith mean? It literally means just like the faith you had when you sat on that chair, when you walked in here today, trusting that it would hold you up, you literally place the entire weight of your life on a savior who saves you in spite of what you've done and who you are. So if you're here and you're like, I'm not a church person, I'm not a Jesus person. Frankly, I think you're all a bunch of hypocrites. You're right, we are. We absolutely are. A bunch of hypocrites clinging to an awesome savior who has saved us in spite of who we are. And we, that savior wants to know you. And this is what Paul says here. He goes, all of the things I'm about to say only come after I, Christ has made me his own. He's made me his own. I'm his. I'm a child of him. Paul uses an even stronger term in other parts of his writing. He goes, I'm a slave to him. I'm a bond servant. You're like, that sounds oppressive. Paul's like, no, it's awesome. Because guess what? We're all slaves to something or someone. 
I don't agree with that. You're a slave to yourself. You're a slave to your stuff. You're a slave to your status. All of us are slaves to some, there is a Lord over all of our lives here. We might as well this morning make it the one good Lord who loves you in an unfathomable, with an unfathomable kind of love. He goes, he's made me his own. He's talking justification. So because of the running lingo, I want you to see how these three terms interact together with a little track here, 100, 100 meter dash here, uh, starting line, if you can see it on the far side, starting line says justification. Justification is, is the point we are made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. This is the starting point of our relationship. This is the starting point of eternity with God. You're like, really? I thought death was, no, no, no. Once we come to know Jesus, we have life with him forever, even once we pass away from this earth. Justification, starting point. Now, let's, we got to look, building off that, what Paul says here. Not that I have already obtained this. What in the world is this? Go back to verse 11. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul's talking about that, that point where he's perfect in the presence of Jesus. And now he goes right away. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I, next two words, what are they? But I, but I, come on, I need, a, I need it loud. But I, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and, next word, and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, Second point, write it down. Christ has made me his own. So I press on to grow, to look more like him. Three theological terms, justification's been used, leaving us two. What's, what's Paul talking about here? Sanctification, glorification. He's talking about sanctification. When, he, when he's talking about this, I press on. Do you hear his tension here? I think I can't wait. To, I can't wait till I attain the resurrection from the dead. I can't wait till I'm perfect in his presence. But, but, but hear me, Philippians. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. But, 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 but I can't wait. But let me remind you, I'm not there. Uh, anyone need some encouragement this morning? The apostle Paul just said he's a work in progress. I'm encouraged by that. God kind of used that guy. And he's like, I'm not there yet. But one thing I do know, I'm pressing on towards it. I know I'm not perfect yet, but don't miss this now. So important. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining. Can you see the picture? running the sprint, chest leaning forward, breaking the tape, straining, straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on. Let me bring this picture back up before us. If uh, justification is the starting line, sanctification is this race we're running. Sanctification is the life we're living out right now. And, and, and as we run this race of daily becoming more and more like Jesus Christ, 
seeing more of Jesus manifest. And it's not perfectly with bumps and with little hindrances and with little like, oh man, I really blew that one. But more and more Jesus manifest in our life. We want to see Christ more, bigger, um, um, larger in how we're living. And if we're gonna grow in this, the sanctification thing, we have to understand there's two players in sanctification. There's God's role and there's our role. We all agree with that? God has a role in this. God has to grow us. Um, One of the ways God grows us is through his word. Um, He grows us through his word because do we believe this? Do we believe that his word is living and active sharper than a double-edged sword? Do we believe it won't return void? Have we experienced studying his word and that word convicting our heart, um, helping us repent of sin? Have we experienced these things? It's because the word has intrinsic power from the Lord. That's God's role. You wanna know what our role is? Pick it up. Get in it, not just on Sunday, but I have no idea what in the world I'm reading. That's okay. I know Scott does. And I know he's been walking with the Lord. Scott, will you meet with me and help me on the world understand what in the world I'm reading? Get someone to walk alongside you who can help you understand. And if they say no, send them to me. There's God's role, there's our role. In all different ways, through the gathering corporately of the church, through the gathering in circles and small groups doing the one another's, there's God's role of what only his spirit can do in the midst of that. And there's our role to step into and be obedient to what God has called us to be. This is how the Lord's sanctifying us. Now don't miss this huge part that Paul emphasizes here on this road of sanctification. Um, Back to verse 13, brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Some of you, the reason God has you sitting in this room today is because at some point, in your uh, story, let's go to that track. At some point in your story, you see the skull and crossbones sign here. Uh, there is a, there's a blip in the past. There's a speed bump. Maybe for you, this is pre you coming to know Jesus. There's something in the past. There's multiple things in the past. Maybe there's a season in the past. And there's this thing in the past It's the greatest hindrance from all God wants to be doing in you in the present and what he wants for you in the future. And it's what's hindering the work God wants to do. Imagine what Paul says when he says, forgetting what what lies behind. What was this guy doing? He was holding the coats while people stoned Stephen. You think Paul went to bed some nights with some stuff on his mind? Guess what? I go to bed some nights with some stuff in my mind from the past. The Lord this morning in our life is like, I want want it dealt with today. I want it dealt with. I want the gospel applied to that thing in the past. So three three areas of where maybe the past is um, hindering 
what God wants to do in us in the present. Uh, let's talk about the first area of the sinful. We just got some specific sin or a sinful season in the past that we know intellectually the gospel has been applied to, that Jesus covered it by his blood on the cross, but we can't get over it. The shame and the guilt. I had specific illustrations to give here, but they're not needed. They're not helpful because we know what these things are. The Lord's going, you know me, you're a daughter, you're a son. I'm not hanging that over your head. Why are you still hanging it over your head? Do you not believe when I sent my son, I sent him even for that? There's just the sinful stuff, junk from the past. That's just casting a cloud over us presently. And the Lord says, today, the cloud goes away. In the gospel, there's, um, there's the painful. Again, no specific needed. You know what I'm talking about when I say the painful. The unexpected loss of a loved one, the complete walking out and abandonment of a spouse, waywardness of a son or daughter with things said that you never thought you would hear come out of your son or daughter's mouth. The abandonment of a mom, of a dad. When it happened, the painful, um, some people respond um, in the midst of the painful at that, at that kind of crossroads. Some people respond amazingly. And the Lord uses that as a way to catalyze their faith. And they're walking near to Jesus on the other side of the painful in such a way that you look at it and you're like, how in the only the spirit of God and then some people and those of us, uh, some of us are in this room here this morning. Some of us hit the fork in the road of the painful in the past and it sent us down a, it sent us down a, a hard road. And when I say a hard road, I'm talking about a heart hard road. I'm talking like anger towards the Lord and bitterness towards the Lord and resentment towards the Lord bubbled up in your heart in ways you never even knew were possible. And you come to this passage right here and Paul says, forgetting what lies behind and you're angry. Yeah, forgetting what lies behind. Yeah, just forget that. God, you just want me to forget that? You just want to sweep that one under the rug? I don't think Paul means there's going to be a complete erasing of the memory in this. I think he means it's possible through a relationship with Jesus Christ where that painful event from the past no longer has to be the source of anger, bitterness, resentment towards the Lord, but can be the greatest source of catalyzing faith and a, and a faith that thrives and a walk with Jesus moving forward. There's the forgetting what lies behind in the sinful. There's the forgetting what lies behind in the painful. And then this one will be a bit confusing. Uh, some of us need to, um, in a sense, in a sense, we need to forget what lies behind in the glory days of our walking with Jesus. What did he just say? Hold on. Any of you ever had a teacher, a professor who was tenured? Anyone ever had? I'm not, okay, hold on. Dangerous illustration here. Not coming at tenured 
teachers or professors, okay? Save the email, I love you all, okay? But have you ever had a tenured or a teacher or professor who maybe a decade earlier was tenured and you sense they haven't really tweaked a lesson plan since the day they were tenured? Like haven't put a whole lot of elbow grease into their work since the day they were tenured. I fear sometimes as believers, the longer we get in our walk with Jesus, we're clinging to some of the things of the glory days when God wants to do a fresh work in us and through us today. Man, we planted that church, holy smokes, part of the core group. God was just doing some stuff in our hearts and through our family. When was it? That was like 30 years ago. Praise the Lord for that, right? Put it up on the shelf of a trophy of God's grace. But guess what? God wants to do a fresh thing today. And he'll be done with us when he promotes us into glory one day. But until that day, God wants to do a fresh work in and through our hearts today. And I just sense, and I hear it. I love you. I love you. Some of our older saints sitting in the room today, I love you. And scripture commands me to speak to you as if I'm speaking to my father, to speak to you as if I'm speaking to my mother. But what I hear sometimes is, hey, you know, we, we put our time in. We're just kind of stepping to the side, letting the younger generation carry the ball in this church. Have you seen the younger generation? <laughs> Do you know what we're capable of? We need you desperately. Six months into the launch of our church, our kind of our metrics guy sent me a metric that made me literally like keel over. The average age of our church was 30.5 years old. Did you hear the sister in the front row? That's scary. And it is. Trust me, I know I'm 30, okay? (laughs) The good ideas that come up here, thank the Lord for a wife, right? No, don't do that. And uh, about the year and a half since then, the Lord has been gracious to us to creep that average, average age up to about 39. It's a big jump. That is a direct answer to prayer of us pleading, Lord, bring us wisdom counselors into this church. Do not let this be a pooling of foolish, youthful zeal. I just gotta say, We always look at this and go, leaving, forgetting what lies behind. That's all bad stuff. I think sometimes it's good stuff too, of us clinging to a glory day season when God is saying, no, 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 I want faithfulness and a fresh work from you right now until I call you home. And Paul goes on. Well, let me ask this question. Is there anything in your past that God wants left behind for him to do all he wants to do in your present and future? Just today. Is there anything that needs to be buried? Anything that, it's gotta stay in the past. We're moving forward. 
in the gospel. We're moving forward. Two resources. Um, number one is this a great book, Putting Your Past in Its Place by a guy named Steve Viers, pastor in Lafayette, Indiana, one of my seminary professors. Fantastic resource on this topic. Uh, second resource, we have a group of trained biblical counselors at our church we call our soul care team. They would love to walk with you uh, to step into anything in the past that's not been dealt with biblically so we can deal with it and we can get our eyes fixed forward, forgetting what lies behind straining towards what lies ahead. Last point's this, Christ has, ma- Christ has made me his own. So I press on to grow, to look more like him until the prize of the day. I'll be perfectly in his presence. Last term, one left. You always love this part of the quiz, right? When there's just one answer left, glorification. Look at what he says. I press on, verse 14. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press on to the goal. What's the goal, Paul? The goal is the prize of one day I'm gonna get the call up. This illustration doesn't do it justice, but uh, young baseball players bopping around the minor leagues, uh, minor league stadiums, minor league towns, uh, riding the bus the whole way, making about 1,200 bucks a month to play what he loved, the game he loves, baseball. He walks back into a clubhouse in one of these minor league, minor town stadiums, and, and the manager says, hey man, I need to see you, comes into the office, sits down, and goes, we just got a call. It's the GM. Guess what, buddy? Going to the big show. In baseball terminology, we would say that guy just got what? He just got called up. That illustration can't do it justice for the day we're going to get called up. What a day of rejoicing that'll be. And you're like, again, if you're not a Christian, you're like, these people are twisted. Is he talking about death? Yes, 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 I am. We're not sick and morbid people. We love the life God has given us here. And we'll take it as long as God will give it here. But I just did my granny's funeral last March. We met an hour and a half. And we laughed and we sang and we worshiped because she got the call up. We can't wait for it. This glorification, um, it's the finish line. It's when we get to experience the joy of being perfectly in his presence. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on. I press on towards the goal of the, for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And then he says, uh, let those of us who are mature think this way. He's like, if you've been walking with Jesus, have this mindset. About your past, have this mindset about your walk with him presently, have this mindset about what's coming in the future. Then he says, uh, and, if anything, and if anything you think otherwise, he's like, if you don't think like this, hey, real gentle, kind of real gentle rebuke here. God, God will reveal that also to you. God will show you. Only let us hold true to what we've attained. Today's message in a sentence. Focused on the prize of being with Christ one day. I press on to be more like Christ today. <clears throat> Anyone's heart long for that? 
let me let me say um, kind of let me kind of speak to three different people sitting here on this whole being more like Christ this day. Uh, some of you in here, you don't know this Christ. You don't know this Savior. You've probably heard about him. You know about Jesus. You understand that, you maybe understand that he died on a cross. You understand why Christians say he had to die on the cross, but you've never applied that to your heart. Um, Today, I pray that God by his spirit would woo you and would draw you to see your sin that has offended a holy God And to see that even while we were offending him in our sin, he loved us and sent his son down to pay that penalty on our behalf. And God calls you and he invites you in as a son, as a daughter, by just putting your faith in him today. For the second person here, I pray as we sing this closing prayer that we're gonna sing, I've set my heart on you. I pray with your eyes fixed on Jesus and your heart fixed on Jesus. Today may be the first day you apply his grace to trump and to cover and to allow you to say, forgetting what lies behind. Yeah, 38-year-old me isn't proud of what 18-year-old me did, but guess what? It's covered. He's not hanging it over my head. And I just pray for us in here. We just, all, all of us in here, all of us in here. Just the reminder to lift up our eyes, fix it on the finish line of glory and let it guide our hearts while we're here in the here and now today. So if you would just stand with me right where you are. I uh, think it's appropriate that we sing, we sing this as our closing prayer today. There's a line in the song, I've set my heart on you. You have every part of me. I remember singing that part of that song one morning and just the spirit of God gently prompting my heart, really, really? I'm like, I don't know. How do we sing? You have every part of me with integrity because Paul himself just said, I'm not perfect. I'm not there yet. I think we all echo that. We sing it with integrity when every facet of our life Our heart and our eyes are fixed on him. We're just saying, we're making it our prayer to say, I'm setting my heart on you, Lord. I want more of you manifest in me in every area of my life today until I'll get to go see you on that day. Similarly, if you would just sing this over us, join her in this prayer and let's sing it together.